Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. High school basketball over the weekend. How about the uh, Lubbock Cooper Lady Pirates, Jamie? They take down Monterey and move on to the state semifinals in San Antonio on Thursday. Uh, they're now 30-6 and six on the season. That's awesome. It that must have been a, a heck of a game. I wish... Uh, Wish I would have been able to watch it, but uh, man, two great teams from from the area. That's awesome to see. We've really had some great high school basketball. Feels like this season in the area, and um, you know Cooper coming out on top with, uh, with the upset. That was uh, that's pretty cool. Sixty to fifty two uh, was the final uh, in that one, and uh, man, it. Uh, I think that's probably surprised some folks. Peyton North had twenty six points to lead uh, the Lady Pirates. What did you, what did, when you saw them play this year, what did you see from them? Um, they're, they're a team that really felt like, for the most part, when I saw them early on in the season, they were they were kind of living and dying with a three-point shot, which I think has is, is been their style over, over the last few years. And, and they've got some great three-point shooters. Um, you know, Callan Dallas and Magic Escoval are, are terrific outside shooters, and then they they've got a really really good point guard as well that really runs the floor for them. I felt like Cooper this year maybe wasn't as deep as they've been in years past mm-hmm. when they've um, gotten knocked out or earlier. But um, man, they've they've uh, you know that's a I mean those two girls I mentioned one's a one signed D one one signed D two or committed verbally D two. Um, they're um, I mean, they're they're really good players, really good players. So, and um, I, don't, I don't know. I just felt like it was when I saw them earlier in the year. I thought, mm, I don't know if they're quite as good as they were last year. Um, but clearly, the, this team is gelled together, and and they're playing their best basketball at the right time. So that's that's what you want out of a basketball sure, coach, right? Hey, absolutely. You know, we'll figure some things out, and we'll keep mm-hmm. getting better. So that's a, that's a credit to the coaching staff there. And and the girls, I mean, coming together as a team and kind of. Being able to, to play team basketball and, and, and figure it out and win almost going away. They'll take on Lamar Fullshear. Uh, Cooper is number eight. Fullshear is number 10. They were 33 and 5 on the season. And we'll have that for you Thursday night on 100.7, the score, as that'll be 5A state semifinal from San Antonio. So, uh, Good luck to the uh, Lubbock Cooper Lady Pirates. Uh, boys basketball is still going on, and uh, we'll have for you uh, tomorrow night on Sunny 97.7, the Friendship Boys, they take on Byron Nelson. Uh, that'll be at 6 o'clock from Clyde. Uh, also tomorrow, Monterey and Amarillo. Sandys are number 7 in the state. They'll play uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock at LCU. So if you want to see some uh, high school boys basketball in town, you'll get that opportunity uh, tomorrow over at LCU. Estacado is still in the playoffs. Uh, the Estacado boys are ranked number 23. They'll play Burke Burnett tomorrow night at 6 at Abilene High School. And then uh, some other teams that are still in it is uh, Shallow Water. They'll play Demet tomorrow night at Friendship at 7.30. And Brownfield will take on Childress tomorrow night at 7 in Floydata. Floydata, meanwhile, 
will play Farwell in Dimmit. New Deal still in action. They'll play Groover at Canyon, and then New Home plays Cristobal at Andrews. So those uh, among the teams that are still uh, in the uh, high school boys playoffs. Well, the high school fan zone tonight at six for you on one hundred point seven. The score coaches from Estacado, Coronado, and Monterey will visit about their teams. So the high school uh, basketball season uh, winding down. The boys are in the quarterfinal round, and the girls now have advanced on to the state tournament round. Um, one other uh, area team, uh, Nazareth, is uh, headed to state. Jamie, they're, they are uh, going to the state tournament for the 31st time. Wow, that's impressive. And looking for their 25th state championship. The uh, uh, Swiftettes will face Nietzsche's. They are 32-2. and two. That game will be 10 a.m. on Thursday in San Antonio. That will be the state 1A semifinals. So, how about that? So, good good for the Swiftettes uh, as they are uh, advancing on to uh, that. And Trinity won a uh, TAP State Championship over the weekend. Mm, Trinity boys. Awesome. So, so good, for, uh, good for them. It's always, mm-hmm. it's always good to win, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech baseball wins four over the weekend. No uh, Red Raider or Lady Raider basketball wins over the weekend. Man, that was uh, that was tough down the stretch for the Lady Raiders, Jamie. They uh, they led after three quarters by four against Baylor on the road in Waco. Yeah, which is impressive. And uh, considering how they've dominated you in recent years. Yeah, I mean, I think the number was twenty-seven straight going into that one. Um, so uh, just was one of those deals where you just could not uh, get enough at the end. Um, Caitlin Bickle came out in the, uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, and she's, she's a fifth-year player. She's a super senior. She hits a big three. It energized them, um, and they, they went on a roll. I mean, you, Lady Raiders held them to five points in the third quarter, which is somewhat unthinkable when you, when you kind of consider – like you said, the history and the most recent path and, and uh, you know, how long it's been. I think it was been 2004 since you've won in Waco. And uh, had, uh, had an opportunity there uh, going into the fourth, but just uh, a little bit too much Baylor and, uh, and not enough uh, for what you had, uh, what you had going. So uh, they fall to uh, the Baylor Bears by 10 on uh, Saturday afternoon. Their next action will be Wednesday. This will be their final home game of the year. They'll take on TCU. Um, very much a winnable game uh, against TCU as uh, they're in the bottom of the conference. Lady Raiders kind of playing for seeding right now uh, for the Big 12 tournament. So as it stands right now, they would play in the uh, 7-10 game uh, going into um, the tournament, which will be a week from Wednesday, a week from Thursday in Kansas City. Okay. Oh man, it's crazy. That's already here. I know, right? Right. So, uh, I think what I think I think if you looked at it right now, I think they're in the NIT, WNIT. Um, I think if they could get themselves um, a win on Wednesday, that would uh, maybe solidify uh, some confidence for a home game. I'm sure that those bids have already been put in or due, but maybe that that would you know help justify that committee to. Put you at home. Uh, a lot of a lot of the cases in the NIT, whether it's the men or the women, attendance is a big factor. And so you've you've done a pretty decent job of drawing fans uh, this year. I mean, you had six thousand at a game. You had uh, eight thousand at a at a Baylor game. 
uh, that you really kind of ramped up for um, during the regular season. You had three, I think, last Wednesday night against West Virginia. So those are all numbers that that, that, that committee will look at in addition to your, your one loss record and who you played and how you played and all those kinds of things in terms of the in terms of the matchups. So we'll uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what uh, what happens there. Um, Six thirty eight this morning here on the morning drive. Uh, somebody says this: Congratulations to the Texas Tech track team on winning the Big Twelve championship. More track, more hardware in the trophy case. Yeah, trophy case is. Uh, I don't know where the trophy case is right now for the track team because usually sometimes those Big 12 tra- uh, track championships and all the Big 12 championships have been in the uh, south end zone lobby over at Jones Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that, that lobby doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to a, find a new spot for that it. That lobby's a, a construction site. I think the indoor ones are by their locker room in the sports performance. Okay, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Don't, I don't hold me. I think I remember seeing a trophy case over there. Okay, and I don't know what the, I don't know what the right answer is for that. If there's a, if there's a spot where you could put everything, um, you know, that would be, you know, something that's more fan accessible or, you know, just more maybe more public accessible. I don't know if that's uh, if that's possible or not. But it would. Uh, I think it'd be cool if they could if they could come up with a way to. Kind of have some kind of public display of your of your history. We've we've talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, some of these individual sports, they like being able to show it off at their place, so that when they're bringing recruits in or prospective players in, they can kind of show off their history, and it's easier than trying to take them somewhere, which you know makes a lot of sense. I'm sure you know baseball's that way, and you know having trophies that are right there, going, "Hey, come here," and this is kind of the stuff you're playing for. I get it. Just I like I kind of like looking at that kind of stuff too yeah, from time sure. to time. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's going to be. The fans like to see it. Yeah. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety seven three is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Eighteen seventy four is where we will start the shenanigans off today. Baseball first played in England at the Lord's Cricket Ground. So not baseball overall, but the first time it was played in England. Nineteen fifty nine, Boston Celtic Bob Cousy sets an NBA record with twenty eight assists, and the as the Boston Celtics score one hundred and seventy three points against the Minneapolis Lakers. Wow! Tell me you're a pass first point guard without telling me you're a pass first point guard. Nineteen sixty three, Mickey Mantle of the New York Yankees, because you know he played for so many other teams. Signs a baseball contract worth $100,000. If we were to translate that in today's money, it's roughly $977,000. Still, that's, by today's version of player, that'd be pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Well, more on that in a minute. 1963, that's what that was. Keep that okay. in mind. 1966, the eighth Daytona 500. Pole sitter Richard Petty comes from two laps down to win the event in 198 laps. Because of rain, it shortened the last two laps of the race. So not only was it short by two laps, he came back from being two laps down. So it was the Daytona 498, Chuck. Gotcha. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. I don't know that you can do that today, come from two laps down. De- depending how the um, depends where you are with the cautions and all yeah, that sure. stuff. There's a, you a lug- need, if you need some cautions and you need to be the back end where they'll let you come around when the caution hits, and so you pick up a lap there and you pick up a lap another time. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of luck involved in that. 
1973, just 10 years after Mickey Mantle signed his $100,000 contract, White Sox slugger Dick Allen signs a three-year contract for $750,000, roughly over $5 million today. Okay. So 10 years jumps $650,000 for, I mean, I know who Dick Allen is. I might be the only person in our listening audience. No, I know who he is. Okay, there's two of us. How many people do you think we could stop at night at 4th and Marsha Sharp who knew who Mickey Mantle was? Oh, everybody. Everybody. Like, huge difference in these two players. 1987, NCAA cancels SMU's entire 1987 football schedule Mm. for gross violations of NCAA rules regarding the athletic corruption. For those of you who don't know actually what I'm talking about, this is the death penalty. The death penalty, right. Uh, It is National Strawberry Day. Okay. And National Kahlua Day. Kahlua Day, okay. So, you know, the two things that are in Chuck's... Uh, smoothie. smoothie and his coffee. No, no, nice. no. Yeah, right. We're a little light on the Kahlua today in the coffee. Notice he didn't say there wasn't any. Just that it's a little <laughs> light. light. A little light. A little light today. Happy birthday. Josh Gorman is 42. Kate Mara is 40. Chelsea Clinton, 43. Tony Gonzalez, 47. Alan Baldwin, 61. And James Worthy is 62. And on this day, in 1827, a group of masked and costumed students danced through the streets of New Orleans, marking the beginning of the city's famous Mardi Gras celebrations. Mm. Uh, Early French settlers had brought the tradition of Mardi Gras to the U.S. Gulf Gulf Coast at the end of the 17th century. In fact, Mobile, Alabama celebrated their first Mardi Gras in 1703, but would later ban the practice, and it wasn't until Louisiana became a territory with the uh, Louisiana Purchase, that the city of New Orleans people petitioned to enact the celebration again. And that is this day in sports history. Okay. Uh, Somebody else uh, says this off the uh, Yates Flooring Center chat line. I know who Dick Allen is. Uh, Dick Allen was also known as Richie Allen. There's three of us. Yeah. (laughs) How many know Mickey Mantle? He was a really good baseball player that was uh, always... Misunderstood, I think, would be, uh, or he felt like everybody misunderstood him. Um, let's see. From the Yates Flooring Center chat line, are we pretty much out of any postseason opportunities for men's basketball? I, I wouldn't say you're out, number one, at all, even the NCAA tournament. Now you've made it more difficult for yourself, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I bet if you won the next two, you'd be in great shape. I think we would all agree to that, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. Okay. Um, so I, I w- I'm not ready to say that, but I, but you've definitely made it more difficult by losing on Saturday. I don't think there's any. And then the other part of that is um, there's still the NIT that's a possibility as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that that's not something anybody wants to talk about, but I mean. if I feel like the team would do the 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 program would play in it if, if given the opportunity. And probably do pretty well. I don't know about that. Okay, it just depends on how much the, how much you want to be there, right? Exactly. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, is and so how that's much do you that's, want to be there. I I, I I would question that with this team. Okay, and and the reason I say that just because you have a bunch of veterans who a lot of them have played in big games, expected to be playing in big games here. I just wonder if that would be a little bit of a a letdown. 
Mm-hmm. And you maybe maybe that would be hard to get yourself up for. And I, it's somewhat understandable. I'm not trying to criticize. No, that no, would be no. Somewhat I, understandable. I, I, I think so, especially given that you were in the Sweet 16 last year and yeah. what your program has become known for. Um, you know, going to the uh, NIT is not something that you strive for. Um, and you would have to really kind of re-examine and go, okay, I'm going to, we're going to make the best out of this and see if we can make some lemonade out of the lemon here. Um, and by no means does winning the NIT salvage your season, but, you know, maybe it makes you feel a little bit better about your year or win it a couple of games. Yeah, it'll give more playing time for some of those young guys. Sure, all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hope you, they would be your young guys next year. Do you guys see Mark Adams losing his job after the season? Uh, at this point, I do not. I'm with Chuck. I, I do not. I think it, it's some, at one point I did. At this point, I do not. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think that, uh, but but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you, you're not on notice, you know, next year. I think coaches always understand that they're a, a great season away from, or a good season away from an extension, and a bad or a really bad season away from being put on notice, and then another bad season, probably uh not uh, not employed, so I think I think they all understand that uh, going going into uh, each each season, no matter what the uh, no matter what the sport is. So if you have a thought or a comment on that, Yates Flooring Center chat line is open. Go to double t ninety seven three dot com for that on the mobile app. Benchmark hotline is open as well at eight zero six seven seven one zero nine seven three. Somebody said, "Would you go to the NIT if you don't make the NCAA?" I, I would think so. I would think they would. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I wouldn't. Just kind of looking at this team, I, I I wonder how much want to you would have in the NIT. I do wonder about that, but I still think that they would take that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, we'll have uh, Red Raider Bass baseball with Tim Tadlock uh, tonight. That'll be on the air. Our first uh, opportunity to hear from the head coach extensively. He'll talk. I'm certain about his team and the games this past four weekend, uh, the past four, the, the game, the four games this past weekend, uh, what's coming up tomorrow and uh, Wednesday with Air Force and then the weekend uh, down in Houston. Do you think there's any chance that the game tomorrow gets moved up to a daytime or is that more just kind of what the weather looks like? I have no idea. I don't think it's supposed to be cold. The question is when, when will the wind come? Yeah, it's supposed and it's supposed to be nice weather. I mean, temperature wise, supposed to be nice. Yes, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be in the seventies tomorrow. So, I don't know that they would can be concerned with, you know, playing after dark, unless the wind is supposed to be way worse tomorrow. Yeah, uh, seventy four for the high tomorrow. Seventy on Wednesday. Tomorrow's the first pitch of six, right? Thirty. Six thirty. So our coverage at six tomorrow. And then uh, Tuesday is an afternoon game. All right. Plenty more here this morning on the Morning Drive. Thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line, Benchmark Hotline 2. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Great to have you with us this morning. Hopefully uh, you found enough rocks uh, in your pocket from yesterday to kind of still be standing. Goodness gracious. That was uh, as bad a dust storm or whatever you want to call it, I think, as I've seen in uh, in my time here. That was uh, relatively brutal last night. I don't even think relatively. It was just brutal. 
Yeah, I don't remember seeing it. The, the sky is is brown. It's I brown. mean, really, not even the sky. Just in front of you, I was yeah, right, driving, just, right. driving at the time, and you couldn't see. I don't know, twenty yards in front of you at all. Man, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of alma maters, Chuck, how do you explain Tech playing Kansas in basketball every other year, home in January, and away uh, on senior night almost every time? Yeah, I don't have any explanation for that. Um, other than is the Big 12 just lazy in terms of how they do the schedules? Because it, it seems like you play the same teams about the same time every year. Um, at least that's the way it's kind of seemed to me this year for the women's schedule. Um, it seemed like we played so and so about this time, you know, away last year or home last year. Um, it, you you would think that those things would would switch around, but it does seem like you have played there on senior night an inordinate amount of times over the years. It just it just feels that way. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't have any explanation for it other than other than that. Um, this. From the H. Loring Center chat line. Impressed with Dylan Carter this year. Yeah, yeah, he's gotten off to a great start. That's for certain. Didn't didn't do a lot in the opening weekend against the Zags, but uh, you know, his uh, he he got plenty of at bats this weekend. And I, I'm, you know, nobody, nobody's asked about it, but I'm um, I'm really intrigued with what's going on because you didn't see Owen Washburn get a single start this weekend. I had one at bat. And so I don't know if Owens banged up, uh, but obviously he was a key, key part of what you did last season. And, I, I mean, if Dylan Carter's swinging it well, Gage Harrelson's been killing it uh, also. And he's, I mean, he can't take him out of the lineup because his bat has been so good. He does so many things for you hitting in that two-hole. Where's Washburn going to be? If Dylan Carter's playing well, uh, and Harrelson's in right and Carter's in center. Where's Owen Washburn? And um, I think Owen, Owen Washburn's a really talented guy. Um, so, I, I mean, I've seen Owen um, take some – do some work at first base, but you're not moving Gavin Cash. No. Okay? Um, so I guess there's the potential of a DH, but – and Ty Coleman's one of your best hitters. Uh, you know, he didn't play this weekend. I, I assume it had to do with his hammy. And uh, Drew Woodcock's got all the starts. Well, he got three of the four at DH, and Zach Vulicic got one. It's just, man, you you've got a lot of guys that are fighting it for at-bats right now. And, I mean, Owen Washburn was a mainstay for you last year. And if he's 100% healthy right now, I don't think he's one of your three starters. Even 100% healthy. I don't know if he's not healthy. He came in a pinch hitting role, got a hit, drove in a couple runs, played outfield for an inning. So I don't know if he's not healthy. I, I was just surprised that he didn't get a single start. If and so that leads me to believe that he's not. But um, man, he's I mean really talented guy, and you, you don't have a spot for him because Hester's been so good hitting leadoff for you and playing left field. Uh, Dylan Carter's one of the best defensive outfielders in the country. We all talked about, but he's got to hit, right? He's got to put the ball in play, and he's got to hit. Well, dude's hitting. I mean, he's getting on base a ton. He homered twice this weekend. He's driving in runs. He's taking walks. He's doing all of that and making spectacular plays for you. 
And Gage Harrelson hitting second. I mean, is he's an on-base machine. And so right now, there's no spot for Owen Washburn. And and again, he was a key key guy for you last year. <laughs> so I mean, they're every game. I mean, you talk about worrying about well, are they going to overlook team this team or that team or what? Man, you better be up there worrying about your at bats because you don't know where that when the next one's coming. Mm-hmm. So you better be playing well, or somebody else is going to grab your spot, and you're going to be uh, sitting over there on the pine. Uh, somebody says this more of a contact team hitting team this year, more of a bash or bust team last year. Yeah, we absolutely. Pretty much I talked think about that's that. perfectly well, perfectly said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, it uh, as this, and I, it, maybe this is unfair because you've only seen two teams and you've seen eight games. Do you do you feel like this is a better team than last year? Yeah, I, I want to say yes, Chuck. I really do, but I, I guess I just want to. I, I want to. Maybe a question for next Monday. Well, yeah, okay. Well, that's fair, but I, I just, I, I just feel like we need to see more teams. I mean, uh, the Zags were one and six going into yesterday, you know. So I don't know what Gonzaga is going to be. They maybe they're a disappointing team this year. I, I don't know. Western Illinois seemed better than I thought they were going to be, but maybe that means you didn't play well, play well. I don't really know the answer to that. And so I just think we have to see more. Even this weekend, I don't think you expect Rice to be great, right? They haven't been in years past. Michigan has been good, but then last year was a bit of a struggle for them. Uh, A&M almost got swept this weekend by Portland at home. I mean, they needed, a, uh, I think, a three-run ninth to keep from getting swept, okay? Uh, and won it in walk-off fashion. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But they're, I mean, they were a top-five team coming into the weekend. But, and again, it's just one game against those teams. Yeah. So, you know, on any given day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, back to basketball just for a second here. I'm a little late this morning. Have you discussed why there was no timeout taken at the end of the game when you had two left? Uh, here's what Coach Adams said after the ball game uh, yesterday or Saturday. I told the guys after I wish I had called timeout. Four seconds is about time to go. You know, you can get it. Five seconds, you can get a straight line to the basket. With four, you can get a shot a little bit closer than what we got. We'll work on, we work on that play quite a bit. We thought we had a better chance, at least I felt like, being organized because we knew what we were going to do rather than setting it up after they had a chance to set to draw up their defense. I told the guys looking back, I wish I'd called timeout. Of course, that's that's one of those deals where, you know, if you didn't call timeout, then he's saying, this is why we didn't call timeout. You know, if you're wondering, it's because our guys knew what we were going to do and we were organized and we work on that play and we, this is blah, 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 blah. So it's kind of one of those things, damned if you don't, damned if you don't. Well, if it works... <laughs> genius right. if it doesn't why didn't you do the opposite right i am i think i normally am more of a don't take the timeout guy so what coach adam says is you've got to practice in those situations here what we do here's what we do or if you can think ahead a timeout before whatever hey remember we're running a if late game situation and i'm not going to take the timeout so be ready to go whatever you're still reminding those guys of that and um i think you're absolutely right and that, that sometimes i guess you just got to go with the field of the game and i guess a coach that's why they get paid the big bucks they've got to know hey do i feel like we're better off here 
just attacking and and not taking any time out or in that situation well they've been able to shut down what we've been doing i got this special play that i want to you know run instead so i'll take the time out there so I, I don't know it's it goes both ways and i think you're you're absolutely right at times you're going to look at it and go that guy's a genius for not calling the timeout and other times when it doesn't work you're going to say why didn't you take the timeout right yeah. right that's that's the uh that's that's the easy but deal the good ones know when to do it mm-hmm. more times than not the good ones know right yeah their gut feeling that's that's why they're good coaches yeah right the good ones know when to do it none of, none of these coaches are perfect at it yeah uh washed up guy says this the bottom line was that tech dug too deep a hole against tcu you're down by 12 with uh, under eight to go in the ball game you did come back um but you gave yourself little to no wiggle room there uh at the end um somebody says this you take the time out to calm the nerves and review well again there's four seconds you've got to get it to the half court now if you're saying do you call the timeout? after the basket or after the free throw or whatever, um, when you're underneath your own hoop, remember on the men's side, you can't advance it to the to the half court. Or do you want to get it to half court, then the call the timeout? But then you only got a couple of seconds. So it's a, it's a hope and a prayer at that point. Again, if they make the shot, we're not talking about this. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, so we are. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Jamie's question of the day on Double T 97.3 is presented by Bizarre Solutions. Call them today for a free cybersecurity audit. All right, 731. Jamie's got a question of the day, and it is? All right. It's across the board, not in any specific sport. Okay. Okay. My question for you today is which Big 12 team do you hate losing to the most? Not which one do you like beating the most? Which one do you hate losing to the most? Mm. Which Big 12 school? Not specific to sport. Cross the board. Which one do you hate losing to the most? I mean, for me, it just it's a kind of a lifelong thing. Um, I I hate it when the Red Raiders lose to or my alma mater, KU, when we lose to K-State. Kansas I, State. Kansas State is for me. The second would be Texas, but K-State first. Oklahoma State. Almost in every sport, we should be on par. We should not lose those games. And I know if we're part of the, but where Tech was in football, where Tech has been in basketball, we should be better and we lose those games at times. And it drives me crazy. Because you feel like you're in an equal playing surface. Yes. It's not like Texas them. where you lose to Texas and they've got $8 million per student more than we do. Like, I can make that excuse. Oklahoma State and us are the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Hate losing Oklahoma State. Okay, so my answer and the reason I brought up the question, it's TCU. Okay, I hate losing to TCU. Baylor would be second on the list. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's similar to what Jeff's saying. They're kind of on an equal level with us. The Oklahoma schools I don't care as much about. 
TCU and Baylor to me are our biggest rivals, in my opinion, and or at least that's the way I feel. And and that's so I cannot stand losing to TCU in anything. Now, I'll ask you guys: Is the answer different if I say which one do you like beating the most, or is it the same answer? Hundred percent different answer. Because it's Texas for me. Right. I love beating the Longhorns. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Okay? That's Texas mm-hmm. for me. But I hate losing to TCU. When we lose to Texas, kind of what Jeff was just talking about, I'm like, okay, well, you guys have a, a $100 million more budget than we have. whoop de doo Okay? You know, good for you. All right? You spend more on Post-it notes than we have for an athletic okay. budget. <laughs> yeah. Which makes us sound a little bit whiny. I totally get it. But that's kind of how I look at it. But going back to it, it's the TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State thing where we're equal to them. And But I love beating Texas. That That's the one I love beating. But I I cannot stand losing to TCU. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and uh, I, I just... I still hate the fact that TCU's in the Big 12. I feel like that you legitimized them. You you elevated them uh, when you put them in there. And I'm hoping the same thing doesn't happen to Houston. Uh, but TCU took advantage of the situation, and they've capitalized on it with, with what they've done with their football program and uh, really what they've done with basketball. I think baseball, they were, they've always been a pretty good at baseball. I don't know that the Big 12 really helped them, but I think the Big 12 helped them uh, exponentially with football and basketball. Especially with the DFW talent uh, that's out there. I mean, you look at generally you look at any Final Four team uh, on the men's side for basketball, and you'll find a, a Texas player on that. Now, can can TCU retain that? Um, that remains to be seen. I mean, they're going to have to maybe do a better job of, of winning some of these games in in uh, in March. Um, put themselves in a position like what Baylor did, getting to a Final Four, but. I mean, there's certainly the talent in their own neighborhood for them to be able to do that if they could retain it. Yeah, basketball-wise, I don't think they got just this huge boost from being in the Big 12 Conference. I mean, it wasn't until Jamie Dixon came that they, I mean, started started being a bigger factor, right? I think Jamie Dixon was a bigger factor than the Big 12. I I think, okay, I'm just going to say I think both of them, I think both those factors are there because I think prior to that, those, those kids that are of the super talented kids that, we're going to other schools, other Big 12 schools, or you know, even going to a Duke or a North Carolina. Those kids were going to those schools because the stage was was bigger. And I think, but before Dixon got there, were they getting them while they were still in the Big 12? I, I, I you know, I, I, the the time the timeline of him coming and so how long has Jamie Dixon been at TCU? Five, six years? Well, then you could also say, would they have gotten Jamie Dixon if they weren't in the Big 12? No, I don't probably, believe I don't Probably believe. not. But, but he was I, a former player there, so that's part of the attraction for him. Well, sure, sure. But, but he almost I, left I, to go to t- UCLA, too. I, I don't think it helped. I don't think it did much for their baseball program. They were already really, really no, good in baseball. No, I agree baseball. with you on that. And I, I just don't know. I While I somewhat agree with your point in football, um, I, it's not as if they've dominated the Big Twelve or whatever. They were they were good before they got here. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely legitimized them, though. But I, I don't think it like took their program to you know these high high heights until this season when it just all it all worked out for them. Okay. It all came together for them. Okay. Um, this from Broccoli Rob. I have the same answers as Jamie, and I don't think that we should be on level footing with TCU and Baylor. It feels so strange to punch up at those schools in anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
this, I feel Oklahoma State is an equal because they face similar in-state challenges against OU as we do with UT. Yeah, yeah. But that's also why I, I see them as an e- equal and on a level playing surface, so I, I, I don't like losing to them. Yeah. Yeah, and at one time in football, you were above them, so it stinks that you've dropped below them. Uh, somebody says this, watch out for Houston basketball, already number one in the country, and a Final Four potential team. Well, they have a Final Four already, yeah, no doubt. Um, and one of the best coaches in the country, Kelvin Sampson. I, I just look at what I just look at what Houston's done. I mean, they're they're okay. I'll tip my hat that they're the number one team in the country and they've been to a Final Four. But let's see what happens when they have to play the Big Twelve. I think they're going to be fine in the Big Twelve. I I think um, Kelvin Sampson's one of the best cheaters in the country, and now college basketball. You're, uh, we 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 push and promote you to cheat, and so I, I think Houston. Well, we've gonna, legalized it. Yeah, we've legalized. We yeah. we push and promote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hey, let's go. Let's cheat. Everybody cheat. Um, so now that that college basketball is this way, I think Houston's going to be great in the Big Twelve. Uh, this we used to out recruit by dangling Big Twelve in Houston and DFW harder now with TCU in Houston also in the Big Twelve. I I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. That's fair. I think there's I think there's mm-hmm. some truth to that, and yeah. and uh, you know hopefully that doesn't uh, come back to bite you um, when you're as you're moving forward here with, but it's it does seem like that you have more momentum going on with football now than you've had in the last you know five to ten years. You, you do feel that way, even you know with results on the field this past year and, and what you're hearing or seeing or feel like you're hearing and seeing from a recruiting standpoint. Feel like that you have more of a presence in those areas than maybe you did pre- previously. And who knows, that may be recency bias as well. Um, but that's what it just, that's just what it feels like. Uh, somebody this says this, Houston has played nobody. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, 7.39 this morning here on the morning drive. Um, I also feel like that uh, you should be able to, to uh, more than compete with Baylor. Uh, they're building a new uh, basketball arena and it's smaller. It's smaller than the Farrell Center, which is just crazy to me. I mean, it's going to be like 7,000 seats. Um, they had a really good crowd uh, for Texas uh, in the Texas game on uh, Saturday afternoon. They played They played Texas ahead of the Lady Raider-Baylor game. That was a 1 o'clock tip time. It looked pretty full uh, from a TV standpoint. And then as we were pulling up, there were a lot of, a lot of folks leaving, uh, walking uh, to their cars, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Baylor won that game uh, against uh, Texas on Saturday, and uh, and they won the uh, the nightcap against the Lady Raiders as well. Uh, this TCU made it to a Rose Bowl before being in the Big Twelve. They took a big step backward when they got in. We just needed to be better in football, and this would be a moot point. Okay, uh-huh. fair. That's that's fair. That's a fair point. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety seven three, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Being with us today on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Jamie Lint and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Hour from now, it's the end of the bench on 100.7 The Score. You'll hear Dan Patrick here on Double T 97.3 at high noon, the bottom line. And then this afternoon, Tech Talk with Aaron Dickens and Dr. Mike Gustafson. So we'll get their, their take on the weekend that was. Also tonight, Red Raider Baseball with Tim Tadlock, the skipper with his first of his uh, radio shows tonight. And he'll uh, wax poetically, I'm sure, 
on the uh, Red Raider baseball team. Although, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Is he wax poetically? Have you ever heard Tim Tadlock speak? <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, have you ever heard him wax poetically? Wax poetically, probably. I don't think he's going to, you know, go over the top complimenting his team. That's just not Coach Tadlock. No, he's not going to. He's mm. not going to. It's hard Maybe. enough to get him to talk about a pitcher who has done well. Because he doesn't want to build them up too much. Right. Because there's still lots of baseball left to play. I mean, I have a feeling if you spend an hour with Coach Tadlock to get uh, to get 30 minutes with him, you probably have to about a, have about 150 questions ready. 150? No, Coach Tadlock will talk. He's just not going to wax poetically, like overstate how good his team is or yeah. anything like that. Now, he'll talk. He'll I mean, talk. Yeah. It's, 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 some... it's not that he doesn't want to talk. It's that he doesn't want to overhype his team. That's just right. not how he is. Right. He, had, he had a great, like, two-and-a-half-minute answer on okay. NIL affecting college sports <coughs> and recruiting. That's true. If you ask the right question, you get you get, you get get a good response. Right. Probably for me, I'd have to have about 150 questions prepared for him. Well, because you're looking for him to say that this player is the this version of this guy or this version of that guy. Or... Yeah, I'd be asking the wrong questions, which is... Well, I'm not in that spot. So that's a, that, that we're we're all in the right spots for ourselves. <laughs> we're all in the we're all in the right spots for ourselves. Uh, so we'll have uh, that tonight, and then we'll have uh, Red Raider baseball tomorrow night. They take on Air Force. That'll be on uh, 100.7. The score for you tomorrow. That's at six, and then first pitch at 6:30. We'll have Friendship Boys basketball at six on Sunny 97.7. They take on Byron Nelson. And then uh, Texas Tech and Kansas from Allen Fieldhouse here on Double T 97.3. 7, the broadcast time, 8 o'clock, the tip time. Uh, this from uh, our friend Chris. On the tap on Lamar's head, the official was the trail official right behind Lamar, but he was watching the ball transition inbounds the opposite direction from Texas Christian's bench. Which makes sense. And Sure. You know, I, I think I may, there's part of me that maybe... I'm going to go back and change what I said earlier where I said you don't really want Lamar to stop right then and challenge him. But maybe if he does stop Mm -hmm. and he goes over there, they would blow the whistles to separate him, right? Yeah. Okay. Would they go double technical there? I don't know if they would because I think you would force them to go back to the video to see what happened. And they would see he came off the bench and touched one of our players which I think would absolutely warrant at least a T. I don't think an ejection. If he had tripped him, maybe an ejection. But yeah. at the very least, I think he would get a T there. And I don't know that Lamar would, unless he came over throwing punches or pushed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, so I do feel like, I I mean, again, because you're on offense there. It's not like it would have led right. to a fast break for them. I believe, right? You're yeah, on offense yes, there. Yes, you're going, you're going back, yeah, back towards yeah. your bench. Just trying to remember it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right, but you, you would certainly want to avoid the double technical. Yes, yes, you definitely would. You know, uh, but if he didn't, I mean, if if Lamar yelled and turned around and went back, I, I mean, I just have a hard time thinking. But didn't didn't point a finger in his face or didn't throw a punch or whatever. I I don't know if he went back there yelling. And not punching or touching, then maybe it wouldn't be a double T. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's hard to get that it's hard to get that attention without you know kind of stopping the whole game because right. you know, on one hand you're like 
Because the official could say play on because they didn't see anything. But you would have forced him to not yeah. play on yeah. if you went yeah. back because they would have had to blow the whistle, separate the two of them, all the above. Um, and I don't, I don't want to be critical with the official there because you just don't expect them to be looking for that, right? No, no. I mean, you don't expect somebody to from the a player to touch another player while he's standing on the bench or sitting right. on the he was standing up mm-hmm. and he was technically he was out of bounds. I think you know Washington was running right by him or going right by him, and he just tapped him on the head. So, I don't know. It's definitely a form of taunting. I don't think there's any question there. Yeah. Uh, we get this as well, some speculation on, on Lampkin. Um, he was out of control, flipping off the student section, flashing gang signs, and two minutes into the second half, he walked around the back of the bench and bet some kid for his uh, Max McClung jersey. So... <laughs> Yeah, and he was wearing it in the locker room. Right. I saw afterwards. Right, right. Uh, supposedly he made a bet with a fan behind their bench, which, if true, that is an actual NCAA violation. Yeah, but are they really going to they really going to call him on that? Uh, I think Red my Red... favorite part there is the flashing of gang signs. Right. <laughs> like, like Lampkin's a gang. <laughs> Uh, Red Raider Two Gun says this. In the world, but one hundred percent, had it been a tech player, they would have caught it. I do, I, I do think you're right about that. It does it does feel like that you're right about that? Okay. I, I kind of. <laughs> sure. Right. So all those. Sure. Play to the crowd, Chuck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like that. I feel like that's me usually. I'm I'm the guy that always gets caught, so I try not to do bad things. Mm. So okay. I feel like that that's more kind of me than anything else. But anyway, uh, eight oh eight this morning here on the morning drive. Uh, thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double t ninety seven three dot com for that of the mobile app. Uh, the baseball team wins four over the weekend, and the track team wins the Big Twelve indoor title. That uh, sports performance center is paying off, isn't it? It uh, it appears that way. You know, I mean, they were pretty good before it came, but they've had plenty of success there. There's there's no doubt. I mean, you know, you talk about just. I mean, they didn't just win this thing. They they won it in uh, in in pretty good form. I mean, the the point totals. Tech had 159. The next closest was 150 111 by Oklahoma State. And then Texas was third with 105. 81 points came from the 60-meter run, 200-meter run, and 60-meter hurdles as uh, the Red Raiders get their third indoor title to go with 2018 and 2019. So that's, uh, that's pretty special when you, uh, when you think about it. Uh, Caleb Dean in the 60-meter hurdles ran it in 7.52 seconds, a new Texas Tech record. Nice. Uh, in the heptathlon, Denim Rogers was fourth, and uh, he would go on to finish. Excuse me, running. He he would go on to finish second in the heptathlon. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Miguel Dingle, a seventeen-year-old freshman who signed with the Texas Tech football team and enrolled in January, rounded out the top four uh, with a time of seven point eight five in the sixty meters. Wow. How about that? He's just here. He's not even been here two months. And he's a Big 12 champion. 
That's good. You know, on a, from a team standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've got a baseball player that's uh, also only been here for less than two months, and he's playing shortstop for you. Yeah. Played high school football in the fall, and now he's playing college baseball in the spring. In the 60-meter dash, the Red Raiders go one, two, three, four, seven, eight. That's pretty good. One, two, three, four, seven, eight. Anyway, uh, so congratulations to uh, the Red Raider track team. Is that a spectacular performance? Now onto the now onto the outdoor. I'm sure. I bet they were glad that they weren't outdoor Saturday or Sunday. Probably so. You know, unless they were running with the wind. Although I did see <laughs> <laughs> some world records broken, especially right. in the long jump. Although, I, although <laughs> those poor guys in the in the pole vault man yeah. could have ended up in different county. <laughs> I did see some runners out running around on on Friday as I was out uh, tooling around on the, that side of town. It's like, oh yeah, they're getting ready for the indoor. They're out. They're out just running. It's like, man, you have to run to be able to run. It's because you got to get warmed up. Can't just go in cold, I guess. (laughs) This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.